tonight we are going to talk about the topic of none other than this right here. When I hold this up, you're wondering how I got this. I'm a pastor. You're like, how did you get 100000 I actually put three of these under some seats, so check under your chair. You might have one. I saw someone reach. Uh, no, but this, when I hold up a $100 bill, you have some types of, fe- you have a feeling about this, don't you? Hey, yeah, some of you get excited. Some of you, you see potential. You can invest this. You can double this. Sure, you could triple this. Some of you, you get angry. When you see money or you think about money, you get bitter. You've been burned. You've lost opportunity. You've lost investments. You've lost potential. And anytime, anytime churches or pastors talk about money, you start to sweat because you have been personally affected by it in a negative way. There's been somebody who has said something at some time about money that made you feel like that's not right. And also when we bring out money, we talk about money. And you see this and you feel it. You have the thought in your mind, maybe you know, you're angry, you see potential, and then for some of you, you just, you just don't even like talking about it. You don't like sharing your beliefs about money. I, I know tonight, one of the things I, I was sharing with some of the guys, and even as I've been leading up to tonight, if, if there was one of the topics that I didn't necessarily want to talk about, it was money. Not because I don't know what the Bible says about money. Uh, I'm pretty convinced where I land on what the Bible says. Not because I know where I believe God would be leading us tonight. Uh, the, the number one reason I wouldn't want to talk about money with a group of men who are two or three times my age in, in, at any table is because, mo- it's true, uh, most of you or all of you have already decided what you believe about money. I'm not going to change your mind, probably. I'm not going to say something witty that's going to cause you to think a different way. We could sit there and debate uh, about investments or saving or giving or spending. And some of you, you already know, you already know what you believe. And you have thought that way for a very, very long time, from when you were younger, because you started to think a certain way about money when you were, when you were young, when you were growing up in your household. That's when you, were, you started to learn from your parents or whoever was raising you how to deal with money. If you grew up in a home that uh, you didn't have much, maybe you had the concept of saying, I'm going to change that for my family and the generations to come. If you grew up in a home where all your father did was chase money, you said, I'm going to change that, and I'm not going to make my kids go through what I went through. When I was 16 years old, my dad asked me the question, are you going to get married one day? You want to know what I told him? Dad, I don't have enough money. And I was right, but I got married anyway. So (laughs) I was walking out the door with this tonight. My wife said, where are you taking that? I said, I'm giving it to the men tonight. Uh, No, we we have thoughts about money. And, And at a young age, at a young age, we start to learn ideas about money. And then... For some of us, we start, to, we start to decide to follow Christ. We start to follow God's commands. And then this topic of money is brought up. And we have tons of feelings, emotions, 
dealings with money. And for some of you, maybe it's your first time here tonight and you're kind of like, great, got to hear the pastor talk about money. When I was 12 years old, I got my first check. I'm pretty sure it was $12. I made $1 an hour and I thought I was something. Got my check, opened it up. I was so excited. My mom and dad sat me down. And what did they have in front of me? Three envelopes. Giving, saving, spending. And I said, Dad, what is that? He said, well, you are going to give this amount and put it in this envelope. I said, no, I'm not. He gave me two options. I was 12 years old. He said, you can put the 10% in the giving envelope or you can move out. So I was pinned up with a tough decision. What was I going to do as a 12-year-old? Put the $2 in there, put the dollar in there. And at a young age, I had learned principles about what God had wanted from us and what he had, had expected me to do with the money. Whether I was making $1 an hour, $5 an hour, 10 and as it goes up, regardless of where you are today, God cares tremendously about what we do with our money. There are three questions I want to start out with tonight. Why does the Bible talk about money so much? It's not in your handout yet. We're going to get there. Some of you might be asking, why does God care? Why does he care? Why does the Bible talk so much about money? And why would we talk about it in this type of series as being a work in progress? We've talked about this every week, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That we are not where we want to be or need to be, but hopefully we're better than where we were five years ago, two years ago, that we're taking one step forward and two steps back. We've talked about anger. We've talked about anxiety, commitments. Last week, Craig talked about honesty. And tonight we're talking about money because money is one of those things that I believe, even what I've learned in my own life, if I don't constantly pay attention to it, if I don't direct it, if I don't watch it, what happens to it? goes wherever it wants just goes wherever it wants if i'm not watching it why does the Bible? you're asking why does the bible talk so much about money second question is this and you truly want to know is god's bank account running low some of some of you might truly wonder why why did why why does god need my money and does he need my money isn't he doesn't he have enough if he's god is it running low and why does he need mine If he's God and he has control over everything, if he's doing all that he needs to do, why does my little sum matter to him? And you've been affected by this. And the last question is this, why, why do we hear, why do we hear messages about money that seems like someone has an agenda? Some of you, you have left churches. I I know you're in this room, you've left churches, you've left Bible studies, You quit listening to certain Bible teachers because it seemed like, man, someone has an agenda. Someone is trying to get personal gain from myself. Why would Jesus talk so much about money? Jesus taught 38 stories or parables or lessons. He would stop and he would be with his disciples and he would start to teach. 16 of those were about money. He was up to something, and he was after something, and it was not your money. He was up to something. He was after something, and it was not your money. God's bank account is not running low. 
praise God, this church has been doing well since the day it started. We've, in the words of Pastor Butch, he said, we've never had a time where we've been in a financial crisis that God has blessed this church, blessed this church financially beyond its wildest dreams. He said, we've never been in a spot where we've been hurting. God has blessed us. No one, no one is here with an agenda. It has nothing to do with church or this church needing your money. It has everything to do with what God wants to do in you and do through you. It has all of this to do, and I know tonight, it's more risky teaching about this than anything else in my book because of this right here. You've heard something, and you're filtering it through a certain lens. You've already had certain things said to you. You've already had certain things filtered through to where you've heard something, and now you have someone trying to tell you what the Bible says about money, and you're like, I, don't, I can't even hear. I, already, I got my headphones on. I already got my headphones on, and so tonight all I'm asking is this. I don't think I'm going to say things tonight that you've never heard before, for most of you. I'm going to say things tonight, certain proverbs, certain verses, you're already going to know. You already know. Some of you, it might be new. Some of us younger ones, it might be new. But as we jump in tonight, to maybe not put me in a category before we start, before we jump into this, and to ask God in your own heart, in your own mind right now, God, what are you trying to do in me that I can't see? What are you trying to do in my heart that I can't see? What has my upbringing caused me to think about money that might be off? God, whether I've heard 50 sermons on money, what, where am I off? And if you have something to say to me tonight, God, would you be loud and clear? The first point tonight in your handout is this. Money is neutral. Money is neutral. It says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all what? Kinds of evil. You see, there's some teaching out there, and some of you may even quote this and misquote it unintentionally. You'll say the phrase, well, money's the root of all evil. And that's not true. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That loving it can produce can produce a certain kind of, of posture in our heart that can lead people astray. And you guys would know money, money is neutral. It is nothing that is necessarily bad in and of itself, but not necessarily something that is even good in and of itself. And for people who have a lot of money, one of the worst things people can do is make them feel guilty for having a lot of money. It's like someone who's, who's in tremendous physical shape. Should that person feel bad for being in shape? They watch what they ate and they exercise their whole life, so they should feel bad. It's like someone who has a lot of money. Maybe they've invested, they've worked hard, they've done exactly what God wanted them to do. Should they feel bad for having a lot of money? Money is neutral. It's neither bad nor it's good. It actually, uh, the Proverbs would teach that being wise with your money is a sign of wealth. It's in Proverbs 3. Um, Proverbs, or sorry, it's the Proverbs, pull it up for me, three, yeah, three, nine, and ten. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, constantly says, a man who invests, or a man who gives little by little, or saves little by little, he will inherit. He will, it, that money that if it's easy come, what? Easy go. And all of you would know this. And a lot of times in the Bible, people who have money, 
yeah, sometimes it was given to them. It was uh, inherited down from generations. But other times, it was someone who was wise. And not all the time, it was a sign of God's blessing. It was a sign that God was blessing Abraham, that God was blessing Solomon, that God was blessing them. But then on the flip side, if you look in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wasn't necessarily rolling in the dough. He was struggling, but God provided for him. So it is, it is neutral. It is neutral. Number two, money reveals. Money reveals. It says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I just read this uh, article two days ago, and it was a doctor, and he was sharing, and, and I saw so many correlations, it was great. Uh, the doctor was sharing about certain patients that he gets, and he was saying nine out of the ten patients who are about to die, they need to make a change or they will die. Hey, you have to quit smoking or you're going to die. You need to quit drinking or you will die. You have to change your diet or you're going to die. Nine out of ten would not make the change. The nine people were willing to die because they could not make the change. I think that when it comes to our money, it being the treasure of our heart, it's where our heart is, it's where our treasure is. Some of us, regardless of what Jesus says, regardless of what the Bible says, we're unwilling to change. We're unwilling to say, God, would you help me when it comes to all areas of my life? I've done this a few times. But would you help me to be right here, under the book? When it comes to my finances, would I sit right here? Because if someone knows more about money, it's probably God. He has to. He has to know more about money than me. He has, I mean, he's proven himself over and over in every area of my life. You want to talk about sexuality? Man, God has been right. You want to talk about decision makings? Man, God has been right. You want to talk about anger? God has been right. You want to talk about money? Man, he's proven himself to be right. Money, it reveals. And more money, what? More problems. It reveals my heart issues. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus made the correlation that if you have, show me someone's money and I'll show you where their heart is. There was a pastor who once said if he could see someone's prayer journal or someone's checkbook, depending on where they were spiritually, he said, any day I would rather see his checkbook to see where his heart truly was. Because you can have a man who reads his Bible, you can have a man who prays, you can have a man who shares his faith, you can have a man who serves, but if God does not run his finances, then God does not really run his life. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I said this a little bit ago, but money is like water. If you don't tell it where to go, it goes wherever it wants. Money is this weird thing that whether, and I've experienced this in my own life, and I've seen this happen over and over and over. You would know of a story of a young man or a young woman who inherited a lot of money at a young age. And what happened to them? They were 19 years old. They were 17 years old. They were 21 years old. They were 25 years old. Inherited a lot of money. And man, it just took them by the wayside. It reveals truly where the heart is. And whether someone is, and you already know this, whether someone is making $40,000 a year or $400,000 a year, 
if they love money, doesn't matter the dollar amount, does it? If you love money, if I love money, it doesn't matter the dollar amount. You see, tonight, even the, the title I've talked about is this, is I think about money a lot, a lot. I wish more people would say that. I wish more pastors, would, more preachers would say, I think about money a lot. I think about money probably more than I would like to admit. I'm admitting it right now. I wish I, wish I was able to say that without, w- with me saying, hey, I've always thought about money a lot, probably more than I should. But what am I supposed to do about it? It just seems like that nagging thing that's always coming up, it reveals, right? Why does a stimulus check make me feel good? I know I'm going to have to pay it back eventually, but right now it reveals, right? Yeah, you're all laughing. You were thinking what you did with your stimulus check and what you should do or shouldn't do, right? It, it, it reveals. It shows where my heart is. If you're about to get, if you get a raise, it reveals us and where we are. And thirdly, money can cause fights, or it should just say money does cause fights. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Someone who is greedy stirs up conflict, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. prosper. Proverbs 20, 28, 20, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. The top three reasons uh, a couple will get divorced is, is money. You want to see a couple go at each other's throats? Talk about money. Do you combine the, the checking account, bank account? Do you combine the funds or do you keep them separate? Do you have an agreement upon how much you can spend without asking for permission? Who's making more? I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had with other couples or my wife about money and what it brings in couples and causes tons and tons of fights. Causes conflict. You already know this. And it causes conflict with three primary people. The first one is it causes a conflict with God. It causes a conflict with God. It puts us in the position of saying, why should I trust you? And we would probably never say this, but I'll say it. I'll say it for you because I'm thinking it. I'm the one who worked. I put in the hours. I worked the double shift. I was the one who worked this amount of hours. I was the one who invested this or this opportunity was given to me. And we become selfish. And it puts us in the, in the position of saying, God, there, there's conflict here. And number two is with family with your spouse, it's with your kids. What are you going to do with, with the school debt? Are they going to pay for it? Are you going to pay for it? What are you asking them to take responsibility for? It causes conflict that you want to set boundaries, but at the same time, they're your kids. You want to help them. You want to provide for them. And thirdly, there's God, there's family, and then there's just you, right? There's this constant battle in and of ourselves where we ask ourselves, or we we have to ask ourselves this question, what's mine is mine, or is what mine God's? Is, th- is it mine? Is what mine is mine, or is what is mine God's? Is it truly God's? Is it truly something that I have, or something that God has given to me? And I think this question is something that I've had to wrestle with most of my life. 
do I trust God enough to let him be in charge of my money that's already his? I have to have the mindset of saying, God, I don't have the shoes on my feet unless you've given me an opportunity to work. I don't have the breath in my body to work or any opportunity unless you've given this to me. I don't have any skill. I don't have any wit. I don't have any wisdom. Nothing is truly mine. God, it is all yours. Everything, everything. And God, whatever you're asking me to do with this, I'm trusting you with it. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what's it say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In Matthew 6, 21, what's it say? For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It's, a, it's, a, it's truly a heart issue. Do I trust God enough to let him be in charge? Because anytime, anytime I feel the Lord pressing me to do something with my money, I'm going to share here in a minute some signs I'm being greedy. Anytime I'm, I'm sensing some conflict with God, my, my wife, myself, I have to say, do I truly trust the Lord? Or do, am I communicating to him, hey God, I'm 27, I got some experience, I've, I've handled some money, I have a wife, I have one daughter, I think, I think I know what I'm doing. I know, I know what your, I know what your word says, I know what you say, but God, I think I know a little bit more. Now, what if I truly voice that out? I sound, I sound pretty dumb, don't I? You can say it. Yeah, Mike, you sound dumb. That that is, that is something that I have to wrestle with. And I, I, you guys don't have to write these down, but these are four warning signs that I'm being greedy. These are just for me. These aren't for you. If you, literally, these are only mine. And, and the crazy thing about it is um, the, the one person in my life that lets me know that I'm being greedy is my wife. She has a weird sense of, of my selfishness that I can't really understand how she knows. She has a spiritual gift of giving. She doesn't see what we have. She sees what people need. And I'll have to have the conversation. It's not in the budget. And she will say, that's not the question. I'll say, hey, I got to go do my quiet time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Four signs I'm probably being greedy. Number one is I always have an excuse. This is my personal story. So I've needed a couch for a while, but this is kind of always what happens. If I need a couch, let's say I need something. It's a legit need. There's the, the stuff's kind of coming out of the couch. It's, it's, time to, it's time to replace that sucker. Like it's just not in good shape. I'll say, hey, let's go and let's buy this. This is what we need. We save up the money. We plan for it. I'll start to sense the Lord wanting me to not do that with the money. I'll start to sense, hey, there's a need that arises, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'll just go hurry up and spend it. I didn't know. I started to sense. I'll just always have an excuse. Or I'll say, they probably are there in that situation for a reason. I'm not allowed to be honest. They, they pro it's probably their decision-making that put them, that's not my response. I have an excuse. They probably made poor decisions, so why should I have to come and save the day, Lord? Why are you putting this on my heart? I always have an excuse. I mean, I got an excuse for anything, especially about my money. I always have an excuse. Number two, I don't have enough to give that much. 
I am not, hear me clearly tonight, I'm not talking about tithing, I'm not talking about 10%, I'm not talking about 1%, if you want to go Old Testament, we'll go 23% in Noria, 23%, I'm not, I'm not going there, I'm not, all I'm saying is this, whatever I sense the Lord, whatever the percentage is, it always feels like an attack on my finances. If, it's, if, if I sense that, God, I'm going to let you oversee all of my finances. If I make $10,000, I'm going to, whatever I decide to do, I'm going to give you my first, not the leftovers. I'm going to give you first before I pay my bills, before I do this, before I spend. You're getting first, and then the rest will go. If I don't do that, I'll always just say, I just don't have enough. I got to pay my bills. I'll always, I'll always make this statement. I'll always say, we just don't have enough. That's a sign I'm probably being greedy. And number three, I don't love money just what it provides. Ugh. I just love the way it makes me feel. Amen? On my own tonight? I mean, just I just like how it feels. Feels good, don't it? Doesn't it feel safe? Doesn't it feel like you feel stronger? I feel better about life. The more I have, I, I won't say I don't love it. No, no, no. I don't. I just love what it provides. I love how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I have things in control. Like I have, I have a bearing on any and every financial possible affront that will come my way. And I will call it wisdom every time. I'll call it wisdom. I'll say, I got to be ready. You never know. Well, you never know. Well, you never know. And I am not saying don't be wise with your fight. Don't save. Don't hear me wrong. If there is anything that has been drilled into my brain from my parents, from the Bible, uh, from what we should do. But I will say this. When I say that, I'm almost certain I'm probably being greedy. I am probably living my life like this. Just tight. Just tight. I'm the one who worked. And... and and you can also be 100% confident tonight that I am not teaching all this because I need something. The church needs something. It is not that we need something from you. It is God has something, what, for you. He has something for you. And it is more than just your money. It is so much more. Number four, last warning sign is this. I definitely give more than them. So. I wish more pastors would say, I think about money a lot. I will put myself in the category of saying, well, I mean, he's a success. So, I mean, he's got it taken care of. I mean, he's a big giver. They're a big giving family. They're, they're, they're the ones that will provide. I definitely give more than the guy below me, and it's majority morality. I'll, I'll put myself in. I'll compare to someone else. And anytime I start to sense myself comparing or looking at someone else, I can always feel God just like staring at me and saying, that's not the question. That's not the question. These are warning signs. I'm probably being greedy. That money is like quicksand. The moment you think you have it under control, the moment you think you, you, you don't love it, you're not after it, the moment you just start, it just starts to chisel its way down in your heart. These are signs that I'm probably probably being greedy. Jesus, when he talked to the, the Pharisees and he told a story about money to them in Luke 16, 
it says the Pharisees in verse 14 who were lovers of money. It was their reputation. It was what was known about them. It was what people could see in them. It was, man, he or she is tight. He or she hangs on tight. They were lovers of money. It was that they loved money so much. They loved money so much. They couldn't truly love God because it was in their heart. If God does not have our money, he does not have our heart. If he doesn't have your money, he doesn't have your heart. And every single time there's an opportunity, I always have an excuse. I don't, I don't give, or I don't have enough to give that much. I don't love money, just what it provides. And I definitely give more than them. And your last point tonight, someone will be first. Someone will be first. And I want to read from Matthew 6, 19 to 24. And as I read it, I want you to think about this idea. I just thought about this on Monday. This, as, as I was thinking about tonight, God is a spirit. Butch talked about this Sunday in the auditorium. I heard this and I thought about it. God is spirit. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. It says in John 4, God is spirit. Money is an object. It's an object. Think about this as we, we read Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Someone has to be first. No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Someone has to be first. Jesus is talking about the eye is the lamp of the body. When you look at someone, when you see what someone is looking at, when you see their eye, you can see into their whole life. He is saying that the Pharisees, he's talking about here, that their eyes, they are spiritually dark, that they are unable to see. And when you see in their life, you see what they love. And he's saying you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You'll be devoted to one. That someone has to be first. And this one cuts to the heart every time, don't it? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, as I release you to the tables to discuss, I want to encourage and caution at the same time. I want to encourage you to be open, to be honest, to answer the questions, but at the same, co same time, caution you into if this is something you personally have strong feelings about you have you, maybe first time you've thought about this or whatever just be gracious at your tables share openly but but maybe just spend some time processing this is why I think this way and I want to be open to what God has I'm going to give you guys plenty of time tonight and I'll give you a two or three minute warning go ahead to your tables well I trust that you guys have had some good conversation and maybe you can pick it up afterwards or have some good stories of maybe how God provided for you 
when you least expected it or when you least thought he would. I know um, I have stories, Andy back there had stories of, man, that someone had given something to them at the exact right time with the exact amount that they needed that God had just provided. And one of the things a pastor once told me that when you honor God with your money, it is simply God's math that he just takes care of you. He just he just takes care of you when you don't you can't add the numbers. They don't match up. They don't make sense. And God just he just takes care of your needs. He just provides right when you need something in the exact amount. And, and money is truly not, it, it shouldn't be a bad topic to talk about, but I think the enemy uses money so much and in our minds and in our hearts and money, with, without money, ministries, they, they ministry, any church or organization or Christian college, anything, it needs two things. It needs people and it needs money. That money is something that it, it, in Proverbs, it talks about, it brings many friends, that it can bless, that it, an inheritance goes to a children's children, that money is something that should not be so difficult for us to talk about, but, it, but it, it easily is. I know the biggest pitfall, I shared this two weeks ago, the biggest pitfall that young men catch themselves in or catch themselves in is instant gratification. Instant, and, and amongst the, the college group or young married groups, the, the men I'm leading and talking to, it's instant gratification. They want to get married at 24 and live the exact same way that you did, that it, you know, when you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, they don't want to deny themselves. It's instant. And, and, and you, could, you could see many pitfalls that other people have or, or other uh, men have went through, or maybe lessons you've learned. But this question tonight I want to I leave us with in two Proverbs. The first one, the question is this, why, why should I be generous? Why should I be generous? It says in Proverbs, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give it gives and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. That when we live an open-handed life and allow God to take our finances, to oversee our finances, to be in charge of them, and we live an open-handed, giving freely, when we water, we ourselves will be watered. And it's not always and only material. It is a lot of times spiritual, that there's a spiritual blessing that, you, that truly takes place. In this last Proverbs, Proverbs 37 to 9, he says this, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Isn't that an interesting prayer? God, don't make me too rich. You ever prayed that? Nope. Tonight's tonight. God, help! Don't don't give me too much because I might I might get too full of myself. But don't help me not to be poor because I, I could deny you. Why are we generous? Because He has been so generous to us. Everything I have, all that I need, always been there for me, always provided for me. And and here's what I just want to leave us with tonight. If you're not a Christian you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, the last thing that I would want you to hear is that you should give your money to God. 
that no matter amount of money you give, whether it's $10, $1,000, $10,000, you cannot earn God's favor by how much you give or how much you do. That God wants your heart before he wants a penny from you. That he offers salvation. He is a generous God in sending his son Jesus. That he offers salvation to those who are poor in spirit. That when we look to him in our spiritual state, we say, I need Christ. And he reaches down and sends his son to us. And that's how we earn a relationship with God based upon what he has done. Nothing that you and I could do. Would you guys stand as I pray for us tonight and send you out of here? Lord, your word tells us that you love a cheerful giver, a glad giver, a happy giver. I pray that you would help us to be men who are cheerful givers. God, in whatever area you've exposed tonight in our hearts, maybe just the way we think, or maybe just the way we operate, and maybe in our giving, our saving, our spending, or maybe just we need to tighten it up a little bit. We need to, we need to watch where we budget. We need to have some boundaries. We need to, it, it's like water. It goes wherever it wants. We got to put some boundaries in place for us to maybe understand, just to think better about our money. God, would you give us wisdom? I know every man in here, whether they're overseeing a budget for some of them, it's companies they're running, it's businesses they're running, it's ministries they're running. And for all of us across the board, it's at least ourselves and our families. God, would you give us wisdom? Would you help us to honor you? And God, would we trust you with the money that you have entrusted to us with true riches? God, that it is something far more than material, but truly spiritual. Would you help us with every bone in our body to truly believe that and live that out? We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.